Hi, this is Thomas Black with week two of The Blackout, brought to you by Super Team Media. The Blackout is a weekly podcast covering the best teams and the best games in college football leading up to the college football playoff. On this week's episode, I'm happy to say that I have Don Munson, the voice of the Clemson Tigers, joining me in the second half of the show. Before I get to my interview with Don, I'd like to take you through a few moments of what we saw this past weekend in week one of the college football season. Honestly, I thought week one was a little bit lackluster. Not a lot of excitement in week one, but we will certainly find a lot of that as we get into the rest of the college football season. The first weekend just had a lot of predictable games. There just wasn't a lot more to it than that. A lot of predictability, a lot of blowouts, but just not many upsets or anything to keep the entire weekend very intriguing. However, I do believe there were a lot of things to pay attention to as you look at each of the major Power 5 conferences and looking at potential teams for the college football playoff. So now I'll give you my five takeaways for week one of the college football season. First, from the ACC, you've got to look at Clemson. In their win against Furman 48-7, we learned that both Kelly Bryant and Trevor Lawrence played very, very well. Kelly Bryant went 10 of 16 for 127 yards, a touchdown, and no interceptions. He also ran the ball five times for 44 yards and a touchdown. Trevor Lawrence came in, and with his arm, his ability to throw the ball down the field, he went 9 of 15 for 137 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. Some information you'll hear from Don Munson here in just a little bit is the fact that Clemson does, in fact, plan on playing both of these quarterbacks going forward into the season. That includes this upcoming week at Texas A&M as the Tigers will hit the road and get their first big test of the season. This is one of the quarterback battles I highlighted last week on the show, and if you look at it, Kelly Bryant, of course, has the experience. He's got the ability to run. He enhances the running game for the Clemson Tigers, but he does struggle in the downfield passing game. Trevor Lawrence, however, has a big-time arm, he's got big-time accuracy, and he can make throws all over the field. And I think this is going to be a position matchup to watch the entire season and something that we will get a better glimpse of against better competition when the Tigers go play the Aggies down at Texas A&M. The purpose here is to watch Trevor Lawrence and what he does when he gets his time on the field. We know what Kelly Bryant gives you, what he can do in the running game, how he has improved as a passer over time, but there are limitations there. Watching Trevor Lawrence will really give you a key on what this Clemson team could look like, does it transform as the season goes on, and does he ever take over that starting job? My takeaway from the Big Ten is that the Big Ten East has some serious questions. They went into the college football season, many people proclaiming that the Big Ten East is the best division in all of college football. You look at it, and you've got Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State. But there were a lot of interesting things that happened within the Big Ten East, and I think some serious questions around a lot of those programs as they move further into the season. There were a couple of near upsets in this division, with Penn State struggling to get by Appalachian State 45-38 in overtime, Michigan State struggling to get by Utah State 38-31, and of course you had the loss that Michigan had 24-17 when they played at Notre Dame. These three teams in particular were far less impressive than most people expected coming into the season. I'm still going to give it some time with each of these teams because I think there are some bright spots or things that they can look at for potential for the future. With Penn State, they were playing a very good Appalachian State program. However, having to come from behind and win in overtime is certainly concerning. With no Saquon Barkley, there are going to be some growing pains. Trace McSorley is still a leader for this team, but they've got to find a way to iron up the problems they had in this game to move forward and really truly be a playoff contender. For Michigan State, 
Of course, Brian Lewerke and L.J. Scott are leaders on the offensive side of the ball. But when you give up 31 points to Utah State and come away with a win that was very, very close the entire way, there are obvious concerns moving forward into the rest of their season as well. Then you turn and look at Michigan, a team with Shea Patterson coming in as a transfer quarterback from Ole Miss. Many people expected Jim Harbaugh's team to come out, go on the road. I even did to go on the road at Notre Dame and come away with a win. However, Michigan just looked as bad as they have the last couple of seasons offensively. There wasn't much of an identity. Of course, Shea Patterson made some pretty good throws. He played pretty well, but the running game never really got going, and Shea Patterson never made enough plays to really make this team look dynamic offensively, and that's what they've been missing for each of the last few seasons. I certainly don't have Michigan as a playoff contender right now. With the loss to Notre Dame, I think they lose a couple more games going forward. But I do circle Michigan as a potential team that could wreck some other team's seasons in their quest to make the college football playoff. Go back and look at last season with Auburn and what they had in a transfer quarterback with Jarrett Stidham. There were some difficulties early on. Their game against Clemson, they were shut down. The sacks everywhere, 11 of them. Jarrett Stidham took a while to get things going. But eventually, they started plugging away, and they had a very good season. They won a lot of games, and they very nearly made the college football playoff themselves. I don't think Michigan's quite to that level, but I do think there are some similarities because as Shea Patterson gets going and as he starts figuring out things within this offense, I do think they will cause some problems for some teams down the road. Finally, in the Eastern Division of the Big Ten, you get to Ohio State. Now, if you're looking for a team to jump on board with within the Big Ten – and looking for a team that really was impressive, look at Ohio State and what they did. They scored 77 points in their opener against Oregon State. Dwayne Haskins came in and was very impressive. He went 22 of 30 for 313 yards and five touchdowns. It was all very impressive, and a guy that many people tabbed as the next great quarterback at Ohio State. But at the same time, I do think there are some concerns. You look at the defensive side of the ball and the fact that Ohio State gave up 31 points to an Oregon State team. Now, we are early, and some hectic things are going on at Ohio State with Urban Meyer not there right now. As he's moving in, of course, he's going to be with the team at practice coming up these next couple of weeks, but he's still missing a couple of games as head coach. I'm going to be keeping my eye on Ohio State and what they do with their defense to iron out the issues that caused them to allow 31 points to be given up to Oregon State. My takeaway out of the Big 12 is watch out for Oklahoma. My goodness, what a performance they had against FAU. I told you last week that I thought that FAU could keep this game close. Ultimately, Oklahoma coming away with the win, but that it could be a close game for a half. Nothing I said could have been further from the truth. Oklahoma came out and dominated from the get-go. Kyler Murray went 9 of 11 for 209 yards passing and two touchdowns. But the moment I took notice of most was the play where FAU got pressure in the backfield and Kyler Murray just took off and started running circles around FAU defenders. I saw it, and my first reaction was, that looks exactly like Johnny Manziel at Texas A&M from several years ago when he won the Heisman Trophy. But when you look at Kyler Murray and the great start he's gotten off to, it certainly looks like Oklahoma could be fine going in the rest of their season. The one concern I do have about Oklahoma going forward is that their toughest games all seem to be on the road. They play at Iowa State at Texas, at TCU, and at West Virginia. But at the same time, I'm not sure that those teams have the talent level to keep up with Oklahoma. Can they go on the road and consistently win those games throughout the season and be able to pull off a a season that's worthy of making the college football playoff? My takeaway from the Pac-12 was looking at Washington's loss in Atlanta to the Auburn Tigers 21-16. 
It was a close, hard-fought game, everything I anticipated it would be, but Washington just didn't have enough against Auburn's front. Washington is still a very good team. I anticipate that they will be the champions in the Pac-12, but I don't know that they can go undefeated the rest of their season, go 11-1, and and then go on to win the Pac-12 championship and squeeze into the playoff. I think that's just a tall order for them. They're stout defensively, and what they have at quarterback in Jake Browning and what they have in running back in Miles Gaskin is very impressive, but they are going to have their work cut out for them as they work their way through their schedule. And my takeaway from the SEC is the same as everyone else's. When you look at Alabama's game, their dominating victory over Louisville, what else can you take away from it other than the fact that Tua Tagovailoa is going to be the quarterback at Alabama? This is what everyone called for all offseason long after seeing Tagovailoa go into the national championship against Georgia and make that comeback against the Bulldogs. But what did we get from Nick Saban heading into game one? We heard that there were co-starters at Alabama. Again, this is just ridiculous. Tua Tagovailoa gives Alabama the ability to win in so many different ways. It's not just a running offense. It's not just Jalen Hurts running along with those running backs. Tua Tagovailoa has the ability to throw the ball accurately down the field, and those wide receivers who many people who follow college football don't know the names of Alabama's wide receivers, but you have to understand they've got playmakers out on the outside, and Tagovailoa gives them the opportunity to be able to bring those guys into the game and elevate Alabama's offense to a level that they have not seen before under Nick Saban. Tua was nearly perfect, going 12 of 16 for 227 yards and two touchdowns. He additionally ran the ball five times for 26 yards and a score. Make no mistake about it, Tua Tagovailoa is the starting quarterback for Alabama moving forward, no matter what Nick Saban says. And with that, I'll give you my four teams most likely to reach the college football playoff. There is a small adjustment from what I gave you last week. Last week, I gave you number one, the most likely Clemson, number two, Georgia, number three, Alabama, and number four, Wisconsin. My small adjustment this week is simply taking Wisconsin out of the top four and who I think will make the college football playoff. And now the most likely teams to reach the college football playoff, I believe, again, in order, the most likely, number one, Clemson, because of their schedule, because of what they have going on on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball, and the fact that you may see Trevor Lawrence impact this offense going forward, I think that's a huge key as they especially start off this week going to Texas A&M, the fact that he is going to get significant playing time at quarterback. Number two is the Georgia Bulldogs. Everything that they have going for them is really impressive. The recruiting, Kirby Smart coaching, and what he's doing. Their offensive playmakers on the defensive side of the ball, the sound play that they have. And then, again, look at the quarterback battle, something to watch for this coming weekend as the Georgia Bulldogs go on the road to play South Carolina will be how the quarterback situation is handled there. No starter was named by Kirby Smart. Jake Fromm is obviously a guy that is very impressive and a guy that can get the job done. But what happens with Justin Fields as he gets opportunities to play against better competition? Is it going to be similar to Clemson where they play those guys in rotation and mix them into the offense? Or is this going to be Jake Fromm's team for the foreseeable future? My number three most likely team to reach the college football to play off is the same as last week as well with Alabama. Everything I believed about the Crimson Tide is holding true right now. Tua Tagovailoa is the best quarterback on the team. He is going to get the majority of the snaps as the starting quarterback. That is what is needed to make this team potentially, very likely at this point still, the best team in the country. 
I just think it's the schedule that is a little bit more difficult for Alabama and why I have them as the third most likely team to play in the college football playoff. And finally, the fourth team I think is most likely to reach the college football playoff are the Oklahoma Sooners. At this point, if you look at those top four, it's the same exact teams that made the college football playoff last year. How likely is that to happen at this point? I don't know. There's a long way to go. But when you look at when you look at what Oklahoma did this past weekend and their win against FAU and what they have going on at quarterback with Kyler Murray, I think there is a very good chance right now with their schedule and the fact that there I don't think there is great competition in the Big Twelve. I think there's a great chance that you do see Oklahoma back in the college football playoff. As we journey throughout the rest of the college football season, I'd like to invite you to follow me on Twitter and on Periscope at TB on the Blackout. Additionally, if you'd like to get your questions into the show on Twitter, you can use the hashtag AskTB. Finally, one last way you can get in contact with me is by reaching me through email by emailing tbontheblackout at gmail.com. And be sure you subscribe and share the podcast with your friends. It's time for break now. When I come back, I'll have Don Munson, the voice of the Clemson Tigers, with me to discuss what is happening with the Tigers when they head on the road to play the Texas A&M Aggies for their first big road test of the season. You're listening to The Blackout. Thomas Black back here with you now, and Don Munson now, voice of the Clemson Tigers, joining the show. Don Munson, welcome to the Blackout. How are you doing today? Thomas, always good to visit with you, brother. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I love having you on the show, and right now uh, we have you on because we're looking at one of the biggest games in the college football season coming up this weekend with the Clemson Tigers heading to the Texas A&M Aggies. Now, this is a series that doesn't have many matchups. Texas A&M leads all-time series 3-1. to the latest matchup, though, Clemson winning 25-24 with Tommy Bowden as the head coach in 2005. So there's an unfamiliarity with this matchup, but at the same time, there's some familiarity because of the the fact that Jimbo Fisher is the new head coach of the Aggies. So tell me about some of the background of this matchup and what you're looking forward to this weekend. Well, I think you're right. You know, obviously, the familiarity of, that Jimbo has with the, uh, the Clemson program, uh, I think it's going to play big in, into this. And I think that's that's really... Uh, an area where, you know, A&M has, has a, I think, a decided advantage here because, you know, Jimbo knows everything about Clemson's program. Clemson knows everything about Jimbo, but they don't know really all that much about the personnel that they have at Texas A&M. So it's going to be interesting to see. He didn't have to show a whole lot last week uh, against, against what was it, Northwestern, uh, uh, Northwestern State, I believe is what yeah. it was. Um, so, you know, he didn't have to show a ton. And so I think that works to his advantage. You let that thing stay close. You let this thing stay close. Man, I'm telling you, now, over 100,000 Aggie fans are going to be whipped into a frenzy if it's close going into the fourth quarter. Uh, then you're like, and that's like walking in the lion's den then. Absolutely. It's going to be a special environment and one that I'm going to look forward to watching. Now, you mentioned Texas A&M didn't have to show an awful lot against Northwestern State in their 59-7 to win. But one of the key factors of their offense, Travion Williams went out and he had a night. 240 yards. It was the second best rushing performance in Texas A&M history. Uh, is the focal point for the Clemson defense just stopping Travion Williams and stopping that running game? Well, I, I think that always starts there. I think that each game that, that uh, defensive coordinators are always looking to, looking to take away the running game. Or, you know, I guess it can be the other way. But you, you want to try, to try to make an offense one-dimensional. So when you take a look at, at Texas A&M, you know, what is the one, what's the one dimension that you'd like to take away? I think that it would be, 
you know, taking away the running game. Uh, so uh, that, and that's, that's difficult to do. Jimbo Fisher wants to run the football. I think there's a kind of a misnomer out there with, uh, with people that look at Jimbo Fisher offensively. Uh, that think that he really, you know, wants to throw the ball. Yes, he wants to be effective throwing the ball, but he really wants to be able to throw uh, the football well. And, you know, he's no different than what Coach Sweeney is. Coach Sweeney is the exact same way here at Clemson. Coach Sweeney is 43-1 and the last 44 games in which his club has run for 200 yards or more. They ran for better than 200 yards last week against Furman. But that one loss was in 2014 to Florida State and Jimbo Fisher in Tallahassee. So you've got to be effective, I think, running the football if you're going to play a little big boy, uh, big boy football. So A&M's going to try to come out and they're going to, they're going to try to run between the tackles. They're going to see if they can get to the corner. They're going to do all of that, uh, to just uh, see what they can, can get from this Clemson defense. Absolutely. Now, when you also look at another piece of the offense, Kellen Mond got the starting quarterback position for Texas A&M. To me, honestly, it took a little bit of surprise. He's an athlete, uh, but it seems to me, going back looking at the highlights of this game versus Northwestern State, it seems to me that Kellen Mond has really progressed in his passing ability. Uh, so obviously they want to set up the run, but uh, what kind of effect is he going to have on the game with his in- increased passing ability? I, I think, yeah, obviously you're right. I think he did show a lot, you know, in improvement in that zone. Uh, in that area of his game, but uh, what Clemson has to do, they have to get. Then they now you got to put pressure on him. You know, Mon was sitting back there with hardly any pressure on him last Saturday. So this Saturday, if that defensive front four of Clemson, or if they're going to send some blitzing backers or safeties or corners or whatever, they've got to put pressure on Mon. They, they just that, that I think that's just a must. You let any quarterback sit back there and just and uh, and not apply pressure, then they're going to just pick you apart. They're just absolutely going to going to kill you so i think the way that you offset that is making sure that you can get pressure on him and one of the things that brent venables has done as defensive coordinator here he figures out ways to put pressure on a quarterback and a lot of times it's just rushing four and with that defensive front four and not just the starters but also the depth that that is up there on that defensive front line clemson can i think clemson can do that i think clemson can force pressure with four and then uh, do other things with the other seven that they have out there on the field now let's flip it to the quarterbacks for Clemson. You look at Kelly Bryant, the starter. Uh, he came out. He did a nice job against Furman. Uh, but tell me what you've seen between these two quarterbacks, between Kelly Bryant, between him and Trevor Lawrence, and, and what your impressions are. Do they both still see the field in this game against Texas A&M, or are they going to let this game come to Kelly Bryant and figure out what happens with the game and maybe work Trevor Lawrence in later? Well, I mean, uh, we had media uh, part of media day here today and, you know, the, the, the plan is that they're going to play them both. Uh, and, and maybe, and it, you know, I don't know if Chase Price is going to get a chance to, to get in this game, but it could be they're going to play three quarterbacks, uh, just like they did against Furman. But they're definitely going to definitely going to play Bryant, definitely going to play Lawrence. Uh, and I think that's the way that it's going to go for their foreseeable future. Uh, and, and, you know, Coach Sweeney has talked about that. Listen, this, this is a, they both deserve to play. They both earned the right to have played. Um, and, he wants them both to go out there and perform well. You know, if, if Kelly and Trevor both do what they did last week against Furman, then uh, things will, will go pretty well offensively, I think, for Clemson uh, in College Station. Now, something that I'm really looking forward to this season and watching the Clemson Tigers, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the progression of T. Higgins. 
Uh, he's a big-time wide receiver. He's a big-time talent. He showed flashes last season. But the thing that I think is going to be added to this Clemson offense is you look at his ability to go down the field and then for Kelly Bryant or Trevor Lawrence, who's at, whoever is at quarterback, to be able to throw those downfield back-shoulder throws to him. I think that's something that was missing a little bit last season going back to the Mike Williams days. Uh, but I think T. Higgins is going to bring a lot of that back to this offense. Is going to bring that element back. Yeah, Higgins, along with Overton, uh, DeAndre Overton, number fourteen. Yeah. I think those are the those are the two guys. Uh, those are you know big six four wide receivers. They're both in that two ten two twelve range uh, as far as uh, body mass and body weight is is concerned. But both of those guys, uh, I think, have to play well uh, this year for Clemson. Personally, I know that we lost Deion Kane, and I know that we lost Ray Ray McLeod, the NFL team. But I think they were actually better at wide receiver uh, this yeah. year than we were last year. I, I mean, I, I firmly believe that I think we're deeper. I think we're just a year older. Uh, Armari Rogers comes out last week, you know, and performs well not only as wide receiver catching the 40-yard touchdown pass from Kelly, but also has a couple of big punt returns, so he showed out in special teams. Uh, but I'm, I just get the feeling that, that Clemson, when it's all said and done, that they're going to be much better at wide receiver when uh, when it's all done. Now, a couple of the young guys on the offense that I want to ask you about. One of them, a receiver, Justin Ross. To me, the screen pass he took, he made a couple guys miss for Furman, ran into the end zone. Uh, he looks like a really shifty wide receiver and a guy that's very talented. Do you think that he is going to be working his way, forcing his way onto the field with those talented receivers? Yeah, he's he's the best freshman talent at wideout that stepped on this campus since Sammy Watkins. Wow! Uh, and he's and yeah, yeah. I hear you say, "Wow!" People that don't that don't understand what I just said. If you, if you follow Clemson, you understand what I just said. But that that's where this kid is, is headed. Um, and, and just like Sammy, the first time he touched the football, he scored a touchdown. Uh, that, that that happened with Watkins here. Uh, so. I, I think that Justin is a guy, and he he is he's he's already he came into this thing just right out of the box like a toy, ready to go. Six five, two hundred and eight pounds, two hundred and nine pounds, uh, and he showed out in last week's game, showing that it's not just about catching the football with him; it's also about blocking. It's about doing the little things. Coach Sweeney is always stressing the little things, and Justin did all of that uh, last week. I think he's he's definitely going to earn himself more playing time. Yeah, one of those other young playmakers that I'm looking forward to seeing for the very first time. I haven't caught any highlights of him quite yet, uh, but Lynn J. Dixon in the backfield. The backfield's kind of loaded. You've got Travis Etienne. You've got Tavian Feaster. You've got Adam Choice. You've got a lot of guys who are going to take a lot of carries. But is uh, Lynn J. Dixon another one of those players that we're going to see on the field a lot? Yeah, I think that his time is going to be kind of like what Etienne was last year. It's going to slowly build. As the season goes along, you know, Coach Sweeney back in August camp said if he felt like these four running backs that he had here were as deep as he's ever been at running back in his tenure uh, here at, at Clemson. And again, that's saying something because you go back to um, you go back to the days, and of course he was an assistant coach, wasn't a head coach at that time. But you know, when he had James Davis, C.J. Spiller, Reggie Merriweather, all those three guys are on the same team at at, uh, at one time. So. Uh, for for him to say that, I think that he feels really good about his about what his rotation is going to be at running back. But it will be led by Travis Etienne. Well, thank you so much for the time, Don. Good luck and uh, safe travels down to College Station. And we look forward to having you back here on the Blackout sometime later in the season. All right, Thomas. Always good to hear your voice, brother. Go Tigers. Yes, sir. Talk to you later. Once again, a big thank you out to Don Munson, the voice of the Clemson Tigers, for joining the Blackout. Don has been a good friend and a support as I've gotten started here on the blackout covering the biggest games and the best teams in all of college football. 
And this week he's covering one of the two biggest games that I see on the slate across all of college football for the most impactful games for the college football playoff. One of those is, of course, Clemson at Texas A&M, 7 o'clock Eastern time. And this one, I do anticipate that Clemson's defense will be too much for the running attack of Texas A&M. I just don't think it's going to be good enough. I do want to keep a big eye on what's going to happen at quarterback for Clemson. Kelly Bryant, Trevor Lawrence, see how the snaps go. See who gets most of those and how much Trevor Lawrence has an impact on this offense throughout the game. My final score prediction is Clemson 42, Texas A&M 24. The other game I'll be keeping my eye on is Georgia visiting South Carolina. Many people have tabbed South Carolina as the stiffest competition for Georgia in the SEC East. And if you go back to last season, South Carolina is one of the teams that gave Georgia one of its toughest tests going back in the 2017 season. And this one, though, again, I believe that talent prevails in the end for the road team. I think Georgia comes away with a win, 31-20. to That's all I have for this episode of The Blackout. I'd like to thank you for joining me and look forward to next week when I have Dan Hope of 11warriors.com covering the Ohio State Buckeyes joining me to look ahead to Ohio State's game against TCU. Of course, I'd like to ask you to share and subscribe to the show, and I'll look forward to speaking to you again next week. For now, you've been listening to Thomas Black on The Blackout.